Welcome to Wild in Theology. This is Kaylee and Will. Say hi, Will. Hello. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about somatic experiencing. So basically what we're going to do with this episode is that Kaylee has done a lot of research into somatic experiencing. And so basically she's going to teach me about somatic experiencing. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. It's a really yeah. fun topic. Bodies are cool. Bodies are cool. Okay. Kay. Have fun. Okay. Hi, Will. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> are you feeling connected to your body today? Yes, I am. Actually, I had a really good meditation this morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've like I was doing the the passage meditation, and That's I've nice. so basically passage med meditation. I learned from this person named Eknath Yeswaran, I believe the name is, mm -hmm. um, and he basically has you memorize like a spiritual passage. Like I, I picked one from the Tao Te Ching mm -hmm. and uh, you basically just like repeat it to yourself over and over and over, mm -hmm. right? In your head. And like the, the meditation is like focusing on this passage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing that for a couple months and it was really cool. It was like, I, I found like I had these experiences where I would like sink deeper into consciousness. Mm -hmm. I suppose where it would become like more spacious and like warm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, which was really cool. But then because of your experiences on the recent acid trip, mm -hmm. I, uh, I decided to do a more body-based meditation. I'm just like Ooh. scanning my body and just like bringing my attention to different sensations that I have in my body. Interesting. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll talk about that later. Yeah. That yeah. acid trip. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another episode. Yeah. yeah. That's great though. And you do yoga in the morning as well, right? Still or no? No, no, I don't do no, that anymore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Still like, that's, that's great that you connect to your body in the morning through mm -hmm. meditation. And yeah, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about healing through sensual embodiment. So just basically being connected to our bodies and the sensations that mm -hmm. we feel in those bodies. <laughs> Sounds and, interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's really interesting. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah, being connected to your body and how that how that level of awareness helps you regulate your emotional state, mm -hmm. emotional and mental state, as well as your physical state. Okay. And your physical health. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the the idea that like you need to connect with your body when you, when you're feeling like any emotion, you need to connect with your body. Yeah, for sure. Cause like yeah. emotions are the language of the body and okay. like, you know, the, the relationship between mind and body is so intimate. Like it's yeah. so connected and like, I, it's just, I don't know. It's not it's spoken about as much. I don't think. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Well, like we, we forget that we're in a body. We forget that we're in a body. We forget yeah. that we're animals. And <laughs> that's really what this is all about. Yeah, it's yeah. like reconnecting with this instinctual part of our, mm -hmm. of our bodies. Well, that's, that, it's really interesting that you say um, we're animals. Cause I remember having this discussion with somebody, like I used to go to a Christian church and uh, mm -hmm. one of the people there, like I, I was talking about like being really into evolution and stuff like that. And 
at the time I was too young to realize that like some people didn't believe in evolution. I was just like, oh, you believe that you like you learned that at school, right? Mm -hmm. And we started talking about it and how humans are animals. And they said, no, humans are not animals. Really? Right. And so like, I feel like that there's kind of a, a religious um, inheritance there, heritage where we are only seen as mind and mm. not as like a body like oh we're not of the earth the earth is kind of like the sinful dirty stuff and we're mm. like the higher divine soul where it's like no 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 you're also a body like yeah that's so true that is so true like mm. we put that kind of animal mm. instinct aspect of ourselves as lower like we see that as lesser or like the lower consciousness parts of ourselves yeah and like our ability to like think and be rational and stuff like that's that's the, our highest self mm -hmm. and we separate them and that's not good no it isn't no. <laughs> it's about being in relationship with them yeah so yeah and then and then i guess we'll tie it back given the nature of our podcast to mm -hmm. how psychedelics can be a tool for becoming connected to our bodies and mm -hmm. increasing that attunement to oneself so yeah <laughs> So just to start with, or a few things to start with, when we talk about healing, like what does that mean and who is it for? I guess, yeah. So for me, I don't know. I guess we all, people have different definitions of healing, mm -hmm. what that means to them and who it's for. But for me, it's like just becoming more whole as a human being, mm -hmm. as a person. Okay. So even though this this main practice that we're going to be talking about today, which is somatic experiencing, it was developed for people who have trauma. Um, I don't know. I think I think the conversation should be inclusive for everybody who is on any path of becoming more whole as a person yeah. and healing. You know, like and this is not to downplay people who've had really intense traumatic experiences and like suffer from PTSD or other related disorders or illnesses due to these really intense traumatic experiences. But it's just like, I don't know. We all, we all have, mm -hmm. we're all, we all like lose part of ourselves kind of. It's yeah. like, for me, what it comes back to is like this, process of development that we all go through in our lives from when we're in the womb throughout our childhood both at the physical level of development and the experiences that we have mm -hmm. shape who we are obviously in combination with our genetics yeah but we're essentially learning from the moment we can like experience anything because every yeah. experience we have is filtered through our nervous system and right and creates our nervous system and you know things become oh how do i say this like even just like like we learned about in our hormones and behavior class like yeah. hormones present in our mothers at the time of like our birth and stuff like those affect the way our nervous system becomes organized mm -hmm. and so that obviously influences how we experience the world later and along with our experiences like everything 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 that we experience through our bodies especially at a young age is like we're taking that as a unit of learning and that things become paired. Like we, we make associations and mm -hmm. that like that's learning. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like setting you up for later in life. Yeah. Well, like 
if you have, like, well, I remember one of the things we learned in that class was mice who had like an inattentive mother would grow to be inattentive mothers. Mm -hmm. But if you were to take those same mice that were born of an in, uh, inattentive mother and um, gave them to a more attentive mother, they would grow up to be attentive mothers, mm -hmm. right? And so like the very early experience as children or as, as uh, pups, I guess, shapes their behavior way later in life. Yes, exactly. Mm. So yeah, Peter Levine, the guy who created somatic experiencing, the method of somatic experiencing, which is a, bo uh, a body-oriented approach to healing trauma, what he talks about is procedural memories, which okay. are memories that we store in our bodies, basically. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we've learned about this in psychology a lot. I find, like, yeah. it's always spoken about so innocuously, though. It's like, oh, you know when you can't tell somebody your lock code, but as soon as you touch your lock code, mm -hmm. as, as soon as you touch the lock, you can, like, do it, but you yeah. can't say it. It's like... Like months later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the body... When the body knows better than the mind does, it's like these things that just happen automatically because we've... We know them so well, but we can't consciously, like, describe how we know them. Mm -hmm. It's like a body memory. And yeah. that, it sounds so, yeah, just, like, harmless. Yeah. But but the problem is, is like when it comes to trauma and and learning emotions, it can be very detrimental yeah. to our well-being when we have these automatic responses to things and we don't consciously know why. And it's, it can be the result of, a, of an experience that we had when we were young. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, like if you learn to deal with like a certain emotion by moving your body in a certain way that can like literally define how you deal with that emotion in the future and your body will always react in that way. Yeah, kind of. So like, yeah. so say I'm really bad at thinking of examples. <laughs> I found when I was like preparing for this, I'm like, fuck, I can't think of any examples for yeah. anything, but like it can be anything. And mm -hmm. especially when you're young, like children are so vulnerable because they just don't understand what's happening. Yeah. You know? So like even something that really wasn't meant to be harmful to them, if they experienced it that way and nobody could tell them, no one could explain to them that it wasn't harmful, mm -hmm. they can make an association between that thing. Yeah. And like, so yeah, if you're experiencing something stressful, if you're interpreting something as stressful, like mm -hmm. no matter what it is, um, if it gets paired with something like, like classical conditioning, something yeah. that isn't even the, the actual thing, like say, like, I don't know, anything like a shirt you were wearing or mm -hmm. a song that was playing or somebody that was there or a look somebody gave you, like literally anything. If you make, if you focus on that thing and it becomes associated in your mental and physical memory as being part of that experience, then being exposed to that at some other point in your life, it can like, it's like a trigger. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you were to, um, like I'm trying to think of a, of a very small example that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah, like there, there's this story, uh, what is his name? I think little Albert or something mm -hmm. like that, where mm -hmm. like he, he was, every time he was shown something white, he would be like, like a furry white yeah. thing. They would like bang a loud noise. And he became a, like understandably afraid of furry white things. Yeah. 
uh, or just white things, I believe. Yeah, it, be, it spread to other things, I believe. Yeah, and then sure. like decades later, as an adult, he still had like some trauma, some <laughs> some being triggered by like white things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So anything that gets paired together, it's it's yeah, and it can be a single experience, or it can be multiple times that something gets. Mm-hmm. paired together and like he was an infant too yeah exactly so yeah. that's exactly children are so <laughs> so horrible so i know that's awful that never happen these days yeah, yeah i love the how much we learn about that too like mm-hmm. that's one that always comes back in multiple classes and it's like yeah um but yeah learning it's fucking crazy yeah. and honestly like this this kind of thing yeah so obviously these pairings of like these negative pairings, these associations that get made and triggers that happen later in our lives. Like that's really, can be really disturbing to one's development. And, um, and also just like even less, um, obviously harmful. Yeah. It like just things like habits and behaviors and like unconscious stuff that like just happens. And then we just like learn I don't know. That to me was always, that's kind of what inspired me to study psychology was like, I was kind of disturbed by this, mm-hmm. by these parts of being human that are just like, oh, like 95% of who you are is just a habit. Yeah, and yeah. you're just automatic responses and behaviors that you learned when you're young. And you're just like, like, a, like I hated that idea. I was so like, fuck that. No, <laughs> there's got to be another way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah and like and basically that's that's what i'm what i'm saying about this process of healing and being connected to our bodies is that it's like we all experience that like there's a range of it there's a range of degrees that we can suffer because of things that happened Mm -hmm. to us Mm -hmm. well i'm just thinking about like COVID Mm -hmm. is a huge traumatic experience Mm -hmm. like i would say i've dealt with it really well but this morning i was like feeling just very emotionally exhausted with with the the pandemic like i couldn't stop thinking about how much i wanted to just be free again you know mm-hmm. what i mean like mm-hmm. i think for it sure. was because like i went for a bike yesterday and i saw like uh, a bunch of people perhaps more than there should have been like in the parks mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god the world still exists yeah there's people still alive and did you feel excitement i did it was a lot of excitement and then today um yeah, today I just felt like anxious about it because I was like, oh, I just want it to be normal again. Yeah. You know, so it's like, and again, like I said, I, I'm someone who I believe that I've handled it quite well. And a lot of people have not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's a lot of trauma that a lot of people are probably dealing with. Yes, mm. for sure. I don't know. There's just like one other thing that I wanted to mention about. Yeah, so a, mm-hmm. a symptom of trauma, like one of those kind of pairs like those associative pairs that we can make. It's like even just in your bodily state at the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is kind of um, what I imagine when I, when I think of children being like really free and innocent and, yeah. and naive to the world. And they're just like free. They just like exist and they don't think about who can hear them screaming and laughing and playing and stuff. And then like something will happen to them. Like, even if it's just, like, someone, like, commenting on the way they speak or laugh or do something, like, in that moment, they realize 
they're kind of they it's brought to their attention that like other people can judge them for these ways of being so it's like yeah then like the that feeling of being free and uninhibited mm-hmm. is kind of labeled as a dangerous state of being yeah it could be even like a parent saying oh you guys are being too loud like quiet down yeah exactly like i remember in in christmases or other holidays we'd be like playing downstairs with uh, our cousins or whatever and one of the parents would come downstairs and be like oh you guys are being too loud quiet down mm-hmm. right and it's like it's completely a normal thing to do mm-hmm. but just that can make you more stifled yeah mm-hmm. exactly and even emotions when we're kids and like we're told not to cry or something. I feel like that's really hard. I feel like it's really hard to be a parent and like, especially all the things that I've heard as of late, I guess about Mm -hmm. how to be a woke parent and (laughs) let your kids like validate them in their anger and stuff. But like, how do you do that when they're having a temper tantrum or something? And like, it's not polite to scream in a grocery store. Like how do you discipline, but also, validate them and yeah. be like it's okay express your f- emotions like you're you're good yeah feel it but also be like hey you can't do that yeah that's not okay <laughs> it's uh, not cool man it's like, not okay fuck. like and yeah it's, it's really interesting yeah uh, honestly like you're basically dealing with uh, like a narcissist who takes everything super personally but it's like <laughs> too dumb to like be able to like work it through yeah and they don't like they come up with like these weird reasons for why things happen to them mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like okay now i have to like deal with this person in a way that doesn't fuck them up for the rest <laughs> of their life <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah so these are the things that when i feel like there's a whole bunch of different words for exactly what we're talking about going yeah. around like you know like fragmentation like losing parts of yourself and then yeah. having to regain them or like healing your inner child which is just like those parts of you that got stuck in childhood that you yeah. learned to like repress okay. and stuff. And then you like got to go back and heal it and stuff or, or your shadow work, which is just recovering aspects of the self from the unconscious. Mm-hmm. It's just healing. It's just going back and finding where you got stuck and working through that. And in the context of the body, which is what we're talking about, we're, we're talking about, uh, <laughs> somatic experiencing the main this this kind of method for yeah healing our healing that that trauma okay healing those those parts of ourselves and reconnecting to them mm-hmm. being whole again being whole exactly yeah. yeah and just like you were saying before about how humans like to think that we're not animals mm-hmm. and put ourselves and our level of intellect above other animals who don't have the evolved brain that we do mm-hmm. this this somatic experiencing method by peter levine he really emphasizes reconnecting with our primal instinctual selves mm-hmm. because we have an innate capacity to heal but it's like our evolved mind like the rational brain gets in the way of that process so it's kind of about stepping out of the way so that your body can do its thing yeah because it it wants to like every response that we have every like stress response this is a good thing at a a certain level like we evolved for a reason to be able to defend ourselves and 
and survive. But the problem is, is that we don't live in that same environment anymore where we mm -hmm. really have to fight for our lives all that often. And the stress response can go off for just anything. Yeah. And we don't really let that process come to its full conclusion. We don't right. like, we kind of get stuck with like leftover yeah. energy, I guess. Well, it, it kind of makes sense that like, if, if, the stress response is a negative is like as a feeling that you don't enjoy feeling mm -hmm. it makes sense that the rational mind would be like oh i have to stop feeling that even though like the way is through it is in mm -hmm. it not mm -hmm. away from it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and but even like dealing with stress i guess like in an actual threatening situation okay um Obviously, we know fight or flight, but then there's also the freeze response, which is just kind of shutting down. Mm -hmm. It's the body's like last resource. Like I can't do anything, so I'm just gonna shut down and hope that this ends soon. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the fucking immobility response. It's like I don't know. I don't remember what I was going with this, but I can just just, yeah, just yeah. keep talking. Um, yeah, you just shut down. Right. And that's like the worst place to be, I guess, in terms of like getting out of it, uh, mm -hmm. getting out of that state and returning to regular functioning nervous system levels, homeostasis, I guess. Yeah. Because the idea is, yeah, is, is letting things run their full course mm -hmm. and remaining fluid through the experience. Okay. So the, the freeze response can be like an adaptive response, mm -hmm. but in terms of actually dealing with the stress of the situation, remaining in the freeze response is the issue yeah 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 okay i think <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah i guess re remaining in any of them would be kind of shitty yeah remaining in any of them would be bad because another problem with this rational mind of ours is that we can re-experience things by like through our memories like mm. we can just like re-experience them in our minds and in our bodies it's like it's happening right now you know yeah okay so the more we can think about things that have happened, the the stronger that that neural network becomes and the easier it is to like set off that reaction in our bodies as well. Yeah. And we can also pre-experience things. So when we're anticipating something, we imagine things in our mind that sets off a chain reaction and our, and our bodies are experiencing it as if it's actually happening right now. Mm -hmm. And just that, that, I, that ability to both think about the past and think about the future takes us out of that fluid present state mm -hmm. where our instincts just kind of take over yeah it's yeah. like we 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 have that evolved capacity to respond to stress and if we just like let it happen we'll go through it and we'll survive or we won't that's fine that's a possibility too <laughs> you fine. can die yeah. i mean we're gonna die yeah so peter levine he, he was really inspired by animals in the wild okay and how they're always under threat of for their lives but they don't experience trauma the way humans do. Mm -hmm. And it's because of their ability or lack of ability to think, basically. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he gives a really lovely example. I found it, it painted a very beautiful picture in my mind mm -hmm. of um, deers grazing in a forest clearing. Okay. And they're just like relaxed, doing their thing, mm -hmm. existing. And then a twig snaps and they all like become really alert and they're looking around 
and assessing their environment. And then as soon as they look and they see like, okay, there's no actual danger, they just like go back. They immediately just like flow back into just like relaxed state. Yeah. And they'll kind of start shaking a bit and they'll twitch. I don't know, just shiver and <laughs> tremble a bit and then yeah. they'll just keep going. And then it'll happen again and like something will, they'll hear a sound or some, a sudden movement and they'll all react ready to defend themselves. And then upon determining that there is no danger, they just go back to being their relaxed selves. And they just yeah. like, um, that twitching and shaking that they go through after, after determining there's no danger there. That's really important for yeah. like discharging that leftover energy because it's really, they're going back and forth really quickly between like hyper arousal state mm-hmm. and then relaxed, calm, existing state. And the fact that they can do that so well, like they have their methods of um, just getting rid of that feeling. I don't yeah. know, that leftover um, charge. Because it is, it's like about being, like you get so... Like when you're stressed, like your blood pressure, your heart rate increases and like all the energy kind of goes away from unnecessary things at the moment. And like it all goes to your muscles and you're just like ready yeah, to respond. Yeah. And that's like a really intense state to be in. Mm. And then just to go, okay, we're calm again. It's like, it's really different. It, it It's, it's crazy. And it, it just seems so beautiful. And he just talks about the, yeah, like animals being one with the environment and exemplifying that balance with nature and being attuned to themselves and to their environment. And that's really beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, yeah like that's, so, re- my, no, no, I was no. just going to say that's, that's really hard for humans to be in. Like how often are we thinking about things that have happened and how often are we thinking about things that will happen mm-hmm. and how difficult it is? Like, People practice meditation every day for years and they still probably don't live most of their lives just present in the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, yeah, it's like the first, like, uh, I feel like a lot of people when they first start meditating or they first hear about meditation, they're like, oh, the point is to clear your head. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the first step of meditation is realizing that you can't clear your head. Mm -hmm. And like how hard it really is to like focus on anything for an extended period. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so true. And all of, all of these practices like yoga, meditation, mm. and like even this somatic experiencing, which we'll, we're talking about is, it sounds really simple. Mm-hmm. Like you, when you just sit there with your eyes closed and like when you see pictures of people in downward dog, you're like, oh, that's easy. That looks fine. Like that looks like it doesn't look complicated. Mm-hmm. But when you're in it, it's like, holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. intense. It's Mine was so bad. It's still pretty bad. <laughs> but when I first started doing yoga, like I couldn't straighten my back or like my shoulders at all. Mm-hmm. My heels are still off the ground completely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, that's, these animals are kind of an example of how, how we might exist if our responses were purely instinctual. Mm-hmm. But they're not. And that's why we have trauma. And so now we have to do something with that. And now we have to do something about that. Yeah. Like how do we, how do we come back to our bodies and come back to, and like, let that, let those responses run their course and like, yeah, you know, let the body do what the body's capable of doing. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I mean, again, that's so true that like, um, 
like I remember when I first started getting into meditation and just like self-help in general, I began to notice how much I avoided my emotions mm -hmm. where it was like if I if I felt like ashamed of something or embarrassed or angry it was just like I had to like push that away and mm -hmm. I could never actually deal with that emotion mm -hmm. and so like all the like the body responses that you're talking about I never actually dealt with those body responses either because it was mm -hmm. like no no stop everything and just redirect your attention on something that's not painful yeah you're never going to heal anything doing that no exactly it's just mm -hmm. it's you're just dragging it along with you but it's it has more of has more control on you for not being directly looked at. Yeah. You know? So yeah, the actual, so the actual method of somatic experiencing, what, mm -hmm. what kind of practices can we do? Cause obviously it's like something that a lot of practitioners use in their therapy, but it's there, there are practices that anybody can do Yeah. for themselves and for other people because, and that's, that's an important thing to note too, is that like, especially people who have gone through, like shock trauma, I guess, is what Peter Levine would distinguish between like a really intense experience, traumatic experience versus like developmental trauma, which is things happening over time throughout your development okay. that get you stuck. So if you, if somebody, if we've had like a really intense traumatic experience and we're trying to heal from that trauma, and anybody really, honestly, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's so hard because it's like I want to acknowledge that some people experience it a lot worse than others, but also like yeah. everybody does too. Either way, this isn't a simple practice that mm -hmm. is just clearly going to make you more peaceful and more calm and more present. Mindfulness is really hard. It's very difficult. Um, when doing practices such as connecting with your felt sense which is mm -hmm. just like bringing your awareness to different parts of your body and focusing on them a lot of emotion can come up like it can be intense it's not mm -hmm. easy though it sounds very simple and it can bring up a lot of discomfort yeah so yeah do you have something to say yeah um i remember when i first started doing yoga and i think i've told you about this that i would do like camel mm -hmm. and uh no other exercise did it did this to me um but camel is basically like this back bend where you're like you can look it up like describing it but basically <laughs> like turn yourself into like a wheel like a, a backward back bending wheel type thing <laughs> and uh it made me so angry just to, like, to be mm -hmm, in that mm -hmm. in that stretch and i'd have like all these memories start coming up of like it, whether it was like embarrassment or, or anger or any type of emotion you think of, it just mm -hmm. all started coming up and I would be like swearing at like the, the timer to be like, go off, like go, like fucking go right now. Mm -hmm. And then like, I would just like get out of it. And immediately, as soon as I got out of it, I would like feel just like this relief wash over me. And I'm like, what was that? Like, that was mm -hmm. such a weird response to be like that angry about just being in a stretch. Mm -hmm. But it's like over time I can do that stretch and it doesn't, it's, it's not comfortable by any stretch of the imagination. It's like a, a back bend, but mm -hmm. it doesn't trigger such an intense emotional response out of me. Mm -hmm. Right. And if like, if we think about like anger or fear or any response like that, it's a very like chest tightening thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting for sure. Yeah, it shows up in weird places. Yeah. And just like little things. Like, I don't know. I 
don't even know if this necessarily fits here. I guess it is. Hearing is a sensation. Okay. When I hear people chew, I want to go on like a rampant massacre or something. Like I want to murder people. I feel intense anger. Nice. Like just like nice. like yeah, like you said, like across my chest and like in my jaw. I just want to like. Oh my god! I didn't know it was that bad. It's bad. Yeah. It happened, and it's like it's not about being polite. Like people, it's almost worse when people chew with their mouth closed and they're like really slow mm. about it. It just makes me want to. I don't know what it is. It's so yeah. weird. It's just one of those things. It's like what what happened to me? Who hurt you? Can yeah. You? Like, <laughs> Who was chewing so loudly <laughs> when you were an infant? Yeah. yeah. Like what did I pair with that? I don't know. It's interesting. That's we don't so know. weird. Yeah. We don't know. But that's like know. um. You don't know what you don't know. Scraping your teeth against your fork. Ugh. That pisses me off so much. Yeah. And yeah. like I'm there. I guess there are things that are just genuine, gen, generally unpleasant to human experience. Yeah. But like. I don't know some really particular things it's like what's well, going with the on food there? chewing it's just like that doesn't bother me at all yeah yeah most people they're like whatever hmm. so you're weird for that honestly yeah you should be ashamed i'm traumatized <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um okay um so yeah when 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 we're doing any kind of practice with like bringing our attention to our bodies and our sensations mm-hmm. and stuff yeah it can be intense and for that reason, it, it can be good to do it with, like, another person. Like, have somebody to talk to. Yeah. But, like, really what Peter emphasizes is that it, it's, like, it should be a slow and gentle process. Like, this isn't oh. something we should rush through or into. It's And it's it's really about getting past that analytical mind, which is really difficult. But when we're experiencing these things and moving our attention around, just noticing what mm. comes up and not judging it or not analyzing it or it's it's really not necessary to have any insight and something that i, I really like that he it's talks it's not about, necessary to have any insight no not at all like oh, okay you're just and, that, and that's what i was going to say like it's it's really really not about realizing re, like it's really not about like yeah coming to any mental conclusion okay with like you it's not you, you it's not necessary to dredge up old memories and like remember and re-experience the event that traumatized you. Okay. Which is great because, <laughs> I mean, that sounds really fucking painful. Yeah. And he says like that can actually be re-traumatizing if you're not ready to experience that again and go through that. Because there is merit to the idea that re-experiencing something maybe in a, in a different setting. Like obviously in psychedelics, people talk about that a lot and really intense. Yeah um situations like they can re-experience tra- traumatic things that have happened to them and that can help process them and like recontextualize it in your mind so that you're you're okay or even if you're if they're, you're carrying around trauma that you're unaware of mm-hmm. becoming aware of it can help to heal it but in these practices that peter levine is talking about it, it's really not necessary it's it's purely getting back into this innate capacity to okay. regulate oneself yeah. in the in when when these responses happen it happen okay that's really counterintuitive to me yeah 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 i'm like very much into like okay if there's a traumatic experience go into that memory and relive it yeah and like re re reinterpret it mm-hmm. you know in a better way yeah 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 that's that's really interesting because like i said yeah there's definitely merit to that and it can definitely be helpful mm-hmm. but also is that the only way that we can 
that there is to heal. Like, is it absolutely necessary to know exactly what happened to you? And maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't, maybe it is enough just to, to let your body kind of feel whatever comes up and like release into that. And I don't know. No, that makes a lot of sense. Like it is the emotion that's causing the issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's not your yeah. mind. Cause like we were talking about procedural memories and stuff. It's like your mind doesn't know what's happening. And like it, it does, <laughs> but like, cause your mind makes it worse when it gets attached to it, mm-hmm. but it is the mind's response to the emotion. What? The mind's response to the emotion. Yeah. Like the mind makes it worse when it responds to like the emotion coming up or the memories coming up. Mm-hmm. And so dealing with the emotion itself can be just as effective as dealing with the mind's interpretation of it. For sure. And I think that's like what this is kind of about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and like I, exactly what we were talking about with procedural memories, it's like these things that happen to us, even some people like Stanislav Grof talk about birth trauma. Mm-hmm. Like we're actually holding on to the traumatic experience of our birth. And obviously our brains aren't, aren't developed enough at that time to have a memory of that to have like a memory that we can call to mind and be like, Oh yeah, I was feeling this and this was happening. And I saw these people and this, and it was crazy. You know, like nobody can do that. Your brain isn't developed, but like, that's not what we're talking about in terms of memory. We're talking about a a procedural memory, like in your body, a body memory. So it might not even be possible to really bring to mind the actual traumatic experience. That's true. Yeah. And the way that this emotional body communicates to us is through our sensations and through emotions and things that can come to mind that are more on the right brain side like images or symbols and and it might be memories too but the memories that come up might not even be accurate is the thing you know yeah okay like how can you judge that i feel like that's a really gray area when it comes to dealing with trauma and these things is because like if something comes up like a memory it's like, is that accurate or is that your brain's representation of a sensation that you're feeling? Yeah, because like you, you, like I remember reading research where it's like you don't necessarily have, like you, you never have the same exact memory of an event in the past. You mm-hmm. have like a memory of a memory of a memory. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if you interpret it initially as something very negative, each time you remember that thing, you're interpreting it even more negative. And so it becomes... It's like the telephone game. Mm-hmm. It's like get a, get a bunch of people in a straight line and tell someone something in their ears and then see how it changes. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that your mind is doing to itself, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, yeah, the insight and the knowing is kind of secondary. Mm-hmm. Which, and like not to say that it can never be useful, but yeah. It can sometimes not just be the best approach. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And... Another process coined by Peter Levine is pendulation. Pendulation. Pendulation, yeah. It's really cool. I actually watched this little YouTube video on it like years ago and I remembered it and I found it again. And he's just such a nice, calm man. Yeah. He's just so nice. And he has like this little... He's done a lot of somatic experience. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He has this little device that he uses to demonstrate the pendulation. Okay. It's like basically oscillating between contraction and expansion and how obviously the contracted state would kind of correspond to the immobility response like that shut down like i don't want to feel that and you just want to like shut it out kind of and mm-hmm. 
just anything that comes up and you're like, oh, I don't want that right now. And how often we just like distract ourselves from any unwanted or uncomfortable sensation that arises. We're just like, mm, nah, I'll just go like, <laughs> you just like pick up your phone and like start scrolling or you just go do something else yeah, immediately because yeah. you don't want to feel it. Um, but the idea is to, to actually feel that and like kind of lean into it in a way that you like embrace that feeling. And you obviously this, this requires a lot of safety to be felt to mm. go through this. But if you can get to that, if you can have that, that feeling of just sitting with that discomfort for a bit, then you kind of come back out the other side. And mm. that's like the expansion state where you're like, you go out and then you go back in a little bit more and then you go out even farther and it's kind of like you just oscillate back and forth and that's that's basically what a therapist doing somatic experiencing would would do for their patient be kind of guiding them through that process okay and um yeah it's just about working out of that that stuck spot yeah in waking the tiger the little methods he he talks about are just um like something simple that anyone can do any single day is when you're taking a shower mm-hmm. is just letting the water hit a particular part of your body and bringing your the water is on one particular part of your body and you're bringing your attention there you can say this is my head <laughs> 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 this is my head I welcome you back. Mm-hmm. This is my arm. I welcome you back. Yeah. And just like, I don't know. It's crazy. Do you ever think about this? I feel like I think about this a lot. And I, I consider myself a very sensual person. Like yeah. I'm pretty in touch with my senses, but I'm not at all, actually. You know, it's crazy. Like even as a sensual person, I'm like, I barely feel my body most of mm-hmm. the time. Like really feel it. Like think, what's the hardest part of your body to feel? Like your leg, your knee? I don't know. There's these things, there's these Mm -hmm. parts of us that we rarely think about and we're not really like connected to them, you know? It's just like, I have a finger, but am I like feeling my finger right now? And you can just move your consciousness to your finger and it like, then you're like, holy shit, I actually have that finger. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. (laughs) So yeah. I was going to say like, I remember when I first read The uh, the Power of Now Mm -hmm. by Eckhart Tolle, Tolle. Uh, he, he said that like, you talked about like the pain body mm-hmm. and how like, oh, if you bring your attention to your body, you can feel this like energy field of sensation. Right. And he yeah. uses like a lot of like very poetic kind of new agey words, but mm-hmm. it might, I mean, I'm bringing my attention to my body right now. And it's like, there's a lot of like tingly sensation. It's like, I, I feel it yeah. and it feels as if it's kind of like this energy field. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, how often do you really bring your attention to that? Mm-hmm. Like you just said, very not very often at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I feel like even if I'm if I'm like eating some unhealthy food or something like that, or like just having a cheat day of some kind, I'm like eating it just to get it in sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I have to like stop myself and be like, no, 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 let's enjoy this sensation. Like this yeah. is like, you usually eat very healthy or very conscious about your diet. So you're eating something that's a little bit more unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the full process. Not just yeah. be like... Slow okay, I have to down. eat all of this and get it in. Feel it yeah. fully, for sure. Mm-hmm. Being slow is really important when it comes to sensations. Yeah. Just watching it happen. It's amazing. Yeah. You're alive. 
And so that's really like what somatic experiencing about is about mm. is just experiencing the body. Yeah. 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 Bringing your awareness to that and feeling it. And I can, yeah, it can be really good. It can yeah. be amazing. Obviously there are a lot of pleasant sensations in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like if I, if I, I get what you mean, then it's like, so it seems to me like basically what somatic experiencing is then is like practicing on a day-to-day -day basis just reconnecting with your body and getting in touch with emotions or sensations that, that occur in your body. And when you feel a certain very negative spike, or if you experience something that kind of triggers you or something like that, it's don't try to distract yourself. Take a moment and just like feel into your body and how that is. Yeah. And that's really just like practicing that on a regular basis yeah. is how we heal from these things. Basically. Yeah. It's so simple. It is so simple, <laughs> like but it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy. <laughs> of course, yeah. It's not. It's yeah. I, 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 yeah. I love it and I appreciate it in in its simplicity, because it is. And I, I feel like that's the beauty of all these really simple practices. It's that mm. it, it is just realizing that you have all the resources yourself. Mm. Like you, you have this capacity to heal and to yeah. and to regulate oneself. It's not easy, but you got it. Yeah, and it's like all the practices like with breath work and stuff. Like I've been doing the Wim Hof method at nighttime to help me with my anxiety before bed. Mm -hmm. And that it's, it's the idea is that you like gain control over your own nervous system. And he says like, slow your heartbeat down. And it's like, <laughs> it seems crazy to think that you can do that. Like it's just this thing that's happening automatically. But when you yeah. realize that through your placing your attention on something and doing this practice with your breath, that you actually can gain control over your sensations like that's incredible mm -hmm. and that's that's really the most one of the most important things when it comes to healing trauma yeah. is just knowing that you are in control like getting back in control of your emotions and your nervous system yeah and it's like if you don't know who wim hof is yeah he's uh <laughs> i feel like you'd have to know who wim hof is if you know about psychedelics if I you're feel not like you have to. if you don't know who wim hof is just stop listening yeah <laughs> we don't want your audience yeah i'm joking uh, <laughs> me too me too um but wim hof is this guy who's like i think they call him like the ice man yeah because he's like you may have heard you probably have heard of this guy like he he sits in like ice baths for like hours on end perfectly fine he's like Apparently he swam under some distance of frozen water, like ice on top, to the point that his eyes like froze and he went blind temporarily. Mm -hmm. And he just kept on swimming, he's fine. My eyes are frozen, but the rest of my body is fine. Right, yeah. so this guy is like the master of um, controlling your body's response to the environment. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah. he's like one of those superhuman people. You know, we we look up to people who seem like they've like, gotten past like they're they're like completely mm -hmm. gained control over their humanity and they are like perfectly in control but it's like it's like they become more animal actually like Wim Hof is more connected to his animal instincts yeah and he's better able to regulate himself and like that's amazing mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah there's the shower method should I give another one <laughs> there is <laughs> I'll give you one more method just in case you really want to try this at home. But, I mean, there's tons of information online from mm -hmm. Peter Levine. There is one where he he suggests looking at pictures. Okay. Like, and, I, and I'm sure you could apply this to, like, any sensory experience. Like, listening to music, too. Like, 
maybe music without lyrics if we're really trying to just feel things but yeah it's just the same thing but like kind of but just using a different sense so okay. so vision so you, like looking at pictures and what does that bring up for you hmm. what are you feeling and this is also <laughs> in, in in connection to the body as well but yeah yeah i mean what's coming up for you will <laughs> like i already said it it's so simple like mm -hmm. I, when when I already kind of knew about somatic experiencing. I've even mm -hmm. like read the book, mm -hmm. but I was just expecting there to be like this complicated thing, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's, it's just like, really not. I feel like our society, oh, I can't speak for everybody. I speak for myself. I feel like everything that has to like work has to be like this weird, like complicated ritual of some kind where yeah. it's like, okay, I'm like setting aside an hour because I have to go through this whole process. But yeah. it's like, Get in touch with your body. It's always there. Yeah. It's always there. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's just, most of the time, it's just your level of awareness of the thing. Mm. And the hard part is bringing your awareness back to that thing. But it doesn't need some complicated ritual. You're already feeling it yeah. all the time. Um, so yeah, that's, that is somatic experiencing. That's it. We're done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love breathing. I did Wim Hof before this, actually. Nice. It's great. High as fuck. I don't, I, at first, I thought it was like, I don't know, because Chris started doing it and he told us about it. And, and he was like, I thought it was like supposed to make you really like hot and awake and like alert. Mm -hmm. And like that you go running around in the cold because you're like so hot and you take a cold shower and you're just like ah, beating on your chest and yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Chris thing to do. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised. Uh -huh. But yeah. now I'm like, oh, it's actually just about, it's just about like, like hijacking your nervous system, basically and becoming in control of it. And just yeah. Like, oh, we're going to go do this cold thing and we're going to be totally fine. Mm. I haven't taken a cold shower in a really long time. Mm. I think that sometimes at the end, I'll just turn it cold and just sit there for like, and then turn it off <laughs> like five seconds. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like it's obviously easy in the, easier in the summertime because it's hot. But just like jumping into the cold water mm -hmm. and just being like taking it. Yeah, yeah. I found like I, I would, I would never feel clean after a cold shower. Mm -hmm. And so now like I, I clean myself with warm water, but then at the end I'll turn it all the way cold mm -hmm. and just like sit in the cold water until I fully relax. Holy shit. And How then, long does that take? Uh, a couple seconds. Well, I mean, now it takes a couple seconds. I can't remember. Like it probably took a little bit longer when I first started, but yeah, you just kind of like yeah, I mean, just breathe and relax. Breathe and <laughs> yeah. relax. I know, because like the water hits you, hits me, and I'm like, <gasps> oh yeah, and I'm like shaking. I'm oh, like, yeah. this is so fucking cold. <laughs> Make it stop. I always take like a sharp inhale whenever the cold yeah. hits. Yeah. Wow. Now yeah. that I'm getting better at Wim Hof, I should try that. You should try, yeah. Ice woman. <laughs> That's what they'll call me. The ice. That's beach. what I'll be wonder known for. Yeah. Ice whore. The I'm ice whore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I okay. Like, I feel like people would focus on one half of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about this book called um, Women Who Run With Wolves. <gasps> I've wanted to read that for so long. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. I, have, I, have, I, just, I know it's about like... I don't even know what it's about. Strong femininity, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah. I, it, was on a, it was on a forum and someone asked for like books to... Uh, get in touch with femininity mm. and somebody mentioned that book and I was like, oh, it seems a book like Kaylee would like It does. Yeah. It's been on my list. I yeah, I don't even know what it is if it's like I don't know if it, is it fiction. No, I don't think so 
I don't know. Yeah. It just looks pleasant. The name sounds certainly, yeah. certainly sounds empowering. It does. Yeah. Uh, 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 okay. Psychedelics. Psychedelics. Okay. Uh, so now that we've, so now that we've talked about somatic experiencing and, and the value of being able to be connected to our bodies and feel things and regulate ourselves. <laughs> how does this all, how can this connect with psychedelics, which is what, yeah, what we like. Yeah. What we do here. Yeah. How, I have, I have some ideas, obviously I've prepared for this, but do you, how will you will, what do you, what do you think just off the top of your hmm. head? What kind of connections do you see between the state that, the states you've personally experienced on psychedelics mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. this idea of somatic experiencing. Well, I remember this, the, the one that really comes to mind is the one trip I had, uh, I think three years ago now. Mm -hmm. Wow, was that long ago? Um, where I, I did two grams and I was just laying in my bed and I had just like the worst trip I've ever had in my life where like, mm -hmm. I basically, I felt like every negative emotion like guilt shame fear anger just like intense sadness but then i was also like completely disoriented mm -hmm. to the point where like i would like look at the room around me and like the ceiling would become like the the wall in front of me and the wall in front of me would be like the wall beside me it was just like my mind shifted reality around mm -hmm. and like I, I could see clearly okay the the door the wall with the door is right here but that was like shifted to the roof or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like, um, it was like being in a blender of negative emotion mm -hmm. where like, I couldn't even like, I remember Chris saying afterward, Oh, like you were just trying to hold on. It was just like, I was beyond trying to hold on. It was just like so intense. There was nothing to hold on to, nothing to ground myself in. I just had to like be in it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it kind of like that trip. And like, again, who knows what the trip was really about. Right. But what I got from that was how little I was actually honoring my emotions mm -hmm. where like the way that I would deal with emotions before that was just to be like, oh no, be present and not allow anger or this emotion or that emotion to like dictate my reality. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I was basically using like the idea of presence to distract myself from the emotions. Mm -hmm. I was like being like, oh, I'm very meditative mm -hmm. and I, I'm, I'm Zen where in reality, I'm just like using that as an excuse to face these emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's what like that trip kind of showed me is how much is there, how much is like within me. Mm -hmm. And from that, from that point on, I became much more focused on actually feeling my emotions. Mm -hmm. And since then, I would say my mental health has improved a lot since then. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it, when I feel emotions, I, I've kind of gotten the habit of just feeling them. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah, interesting. So that's, that's a trip that kind of showed me I need to start doing somatic experiencing, even mm. though I never even knew that's what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is really interesting. Just kind of like, yeah, not having, it sounded like you were very ungrounded in those moments. Like, like you couldn't even hang on to anything. There was nothing that you could like grasp onto for like a solid mm -hmm. just sense of being grounded yeah you know and like really that's what our bodies do for us like this is the vessel through which we experience the moment like everything and like if we can be in touch with that mm -hmm. then we are here that is being present is it's not like it's not all in the mind just like having control over everything controlling in a way that's like no you can't feel this and you can't feel that you can only feel this you are yeah. zen you know it's like control comes from 
that ability to just to allow and to surrender to the experience that is that your is presence. your body yeah that yeah. is the now whatever that is yeah yeah, yeah. well that's like we we mentioned before spiritual bypassing mm -hmm. that is exactly that it's it's using spirituality as a a distraction or a bypass to actually dealing with your shit because it's like oh no don't be negative i have to manifest positivity it's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that stuff is still there you're just yeah. not dealing with it yeah, yeah. i love that i love yeah. like the opposite of spiritual bypassing which is just like it's all it's like really hard and shitty at times and it's yeah. just like holy shit who would have thought yeah well, I'm, I'm reading, uh, I'm actually reading the spiritual bypassing book mm -hmm, right now, mm -hmm. uh, listening to it. And, um, he was talking about this woman who was in like the spiritual community and became convinced that her uh, illness, uh, he didn't mention which illness it was, but it was like a legitimate illness, like something that like wasn't psychosomatic. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she became convinced that her she had this illness because she was manifesting it. Mm -hmm. And she became very depressed and, and self-loathing because she was like, oh, I'm not being spiritual enough. And so I have this illness. Mm -hmm. Right. And then she went to um, a, a spiritual healer of some kind. Right. Mm -hmm. And the spiritual healer um, healed her of this illness mm -hmm. or like healed her of the anxiety, gave her an excuse to no longer feel anxious about it. Mm -hmm. And then three days later, she killed herself because mm -hmm. she was like, I can, she was basically like the, the, the healing of it was so easy and I'm, I'm probably screwing up the story at this point, but basically she did kill herself and it was something along the lines of, um, she was like so ashamed of herself for not being able to fix her disease that was self-imposed with spiritual teachings that she just had to kill herself. She just couldn't bear living anymore. Wow. Right. And so that's like spiritual bypassing to the extreme where it's like mm -hmm. you, you is really, it is really disconnecting yourself from the body completely where it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, the body doesn't exist. It's all spirits. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, 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 there, there's a legitimate body here and it can get sick without anything spiritual about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, it, this is why that I have a personal, um, I guess uh, uh, I get a little bit triggered when I hear about spiritual healers and stuff like this is that if it's used as an, a complete alternative to Western medicine, it like, I feel like that's extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, if like you go to a spiritual healer and they help you deal with the anxiety that you have about an illness while you're also going to chemotherapy or something, for mm -hmm. example, I think that's fine. They're helping you deal with your anxiety. And that's like the thing that works for you to deal with the anxiety. Mm -hmm. But if they're using it as like the only treatment, I'm just like, no. no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it depends because a lot of illnesses that we do have, I think, I think there is a strong mind body connection with illness for sure and stuff like yeah. not to say that I do agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And not to say that we should disregard everything we know with Western medicine, like it's important stuff and it helps a lot, mm -hmm. but it's important to acknowledge the connection between mind and body mm -hmm. and and the impact that healing on an emotional or spiritual level can have on our physical health yeah and that's like a big topic that i think we'll <laughs> talk more about later on another episode because mm -hmm. I, there's a lot i want to learn about that it's really interesting and yeah. those like traditional shamanistic ways of with plant medicine 
it's fascinating Absolutely. and like a lot of a lot of illnesses that people have like it come like they might they might be rooted in some kind of spiritual illness mm-hmm. you know like like we're talking about the stress response and how the effect that can have on our nervous system and our body and how being like this like intense state and that can happen all the time like we because we have our brains we can turn on this stress response through thought alone and we can do a lot of damage to ourselves by constantly being under stress mm-hmm. and just yeah the, the effect that that has on our immune system is a lot to take absolutely and i mean it, we always hear about like why don't zebras get ulcers mm-hmm. i think is the robert sapolsky thing where it's like zebras they basically found that like in the in the 50s or 60s or something that a lot of men were getting these ulcers because they were so stressed mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly be like like a deer just flowing back and forth just <laughs> yeah. popping off all exactly. the time just you don't present, need to present, have present. see like you know i have anxiety i have anxiety because i can think about things <laughs> If I couldn't think about anything, I wouldn't have anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I just... we can fix that pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Let's not, let's not go that dark. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, let's um, talk it up. Obviously not that thinking's bad, but you know, just yeah, like the yeah. fact that I can like replay things in my head and like think like, oh God, what if I make a mistake? Like, yeah. You know, I'm yeah. just scared. I'm scared. Yeah. People are going to hear this and they're going to judge me. Oh, for sure. But that's fine. Um, okay. Yeah. So when we're talking about psychedelics doing psychedelics and and how this can help us heal in like a holistic sense i feel like that's kind of that's why psychedelics are so promising mm-hmm. especially now that they're kind of coming in to being in this like in this western world it's really requiring a paradigm shift i think but i think that's really important because it is about like fully healing it's mm-hmm. not just about like treating one part of the person the, yeah. the one part that's showing the symptom it's like one thing that you hear so often when in conversations about psychedelics is they really help you get to the root cause like that's what everybody says is like yeah. oh we're getting to the root yeah. of the problem and it's like finding the source of that deep emotional wound yeah and healing from that spot um yeah, that like I know people who take um, antidepressants and stuff like this, and they just take the antidepressant. And they're like, okay, I'm better. I don't have to do anything else. And it's like, there's no shame in taking an antidepressant. Of course, like yeah. if somebody has to take an antidepressant for the rest of their life, even if they're doing a bunch of other things to to help themselves, then that's just something they have to do, and that's totally fine, right? Mm-hmm. But someone will take an antidepressant and then never do anything else to improve their life. And they'll just be like, okay, I'm just numbing myself to my situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Where it's like, I feel like if you're taking an antidepressant properly, it's like you're giving yourself the ability to start working on your situation, mm-hmm. you know, whereas like psychedelics, they like show you that you need to work on it and give you like the desire to work on it. Yeah. And give you like the self love and compassion. Yeah. That, to, yeah. that like really strengthens that sense of like wanting to do the work because exactly. you love yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel you deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I, I know I talking about SSRIs and stuff. It's like really like a hard conversation because like they do help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about the body here, some things that really st- stand out to me as side effects from antidepressants are like, well, number one, it's like this like emotional blunting kind of mm-hmm. it's like you just feel a little duller like i've heard 
that people have trouble crying. Like mm-hmm. you can't cry. And crying, I feel like is one of those things that's like a bodily response to an emotion. And that's like that shaking, that, that feeling it so fully and just like letting it out of your system and how good it feels to cry. Yeah. And when you just like let yourself completely go and then like that feeling of peace afterwards when you just had a good cry and you're just like, yeah. I'm good, I'm chill. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Well, like those men in the 60s who were getting ulcers, mm-hmm. they probably just needed a good cry. Probably, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. And like as a man, crying is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Like I've been on the edge of tears and like I want to cry. But I just can't cry. I just like can't get it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just like, oh man, I'm like really connecting with this emotion right now, but I can't cry, mm-hmm. right? And like uh, on a mushroom trip where I started crying about how much I miss my family, it was just like release. It was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this was all here. Yeah. I'm finally connecting with that. But it took a psychedelic just to be able to do that. Yeah, you know? to like break down that inhibition mm-hmm. that you've built up from like your associations in life. For sure. And, and I stuff. remember like as a kid, every time I started crying, I would like tighten up, I would like clench my, my face and everything. Just like, no, don't be like, don't be a girl. Girls cry. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. internalized misogyny, mm-hmm. internalized self-loathing because you're like, oh no, that's a part of me that I have to like get rid of, you yeah. know? And that's like how, what informs you. That's like a traumatic experience. Exactly like exactly. what we're talking about. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah. And then another thing about antidepressants is like the loss of libido. And not being able to, like, sexual dysfunction is, it's the statistic, I don't even remember what it is. I think, I don't know, it's ridiculous. Like, most people who take SSRIs Mm -hmm. experience that. And, like, that's an intense bodily experience, like, having an orgasm. Mm -hmm. The release from that, the pleasure from that, the connection with your body through having that experience. And the connection with your partner. Yeah, and with another person's body. Like, that's huge. And like to not have that, like that's, those are two things, crying and coming. Like I couldn't live without personally. Yeah. Sometimes at the same like, time. Like, you know what? I, I'll take, I'll take a little bit of anxiety here and there. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not giving up. Those yeah, exactly. And that's the hard thing that like these things have helped so many people. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people who are so depressed that they are okay giving up their sexuality just mm-hmm. to not feel so depressed. Right. And for those people, it's, it's really beneficial, but it's like, number one, there could be another way, mm-hmm. right? Especially with like, uh, ketamine, for example, being very good for treatment resistant depression. I know mm-hmm. that I'm pretty sure that psilocybin has been shown, yeah. um, MDMA, etc. So there is another way. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- there is just another way and mm-hmm. we need to like, as a society, be willing as a psychological community be willing to let go of these things if there are better treatments yeah you know and that's why it's so exciting that finally like even though certain things aren't fully legalized yet that just that they're allowing all of this research to be done it's just like we're we're we've opened our minds to this possibility for the betterment of society because it's it's not it's not just about well, obviously it is it like we use these substances to like for spiritual and personal development and stuff. But like what it comes down to is the fact that they are really promising for treating a lot of mental illness. Yeah. And there's a problem with mental illness right now in our world. And if if yeah. if we can just like let them be that for mm-hmm. people, that'll bring about so much healing for and everybody. The, f- the thing is, is like people have accused psychedelic proponents as saying that oh you're you just you're looking at psychedelics as a magic pill Mm -hmm. it's like number one 
I mean, an SSRI is touted as a magic pill. Mm -hmm. Just take this and you'll feel fine. It'll be good, right? Mm -hmm. Again, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases. So it's not like it's anything new. Mm -hmm. But number two, we at least, and many people I, I talk to about psychedelics and have, have listened to, are always like, oh, and there's so much integration work afterward. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're not like very few people. I'm sure there's somebody, but very few people within the psychedelic community are saying like, oh, just take some mushrooms and everything will be fine. It's like, mm -hmm. take some mushrooms, have a, sometimes an extremely unpleasant experience, learn something from it, and then spend the next couple months working with a therapist, working on your own, integrating that experience, yeah. you know? Yeah. Journaling, changing your life. Yeah. And obviously before too, planning, setting an intention, having a space. Dude. Like when I did like the, the trip that I would say, this is the trip that like started me on the journey of getting into psychedelic medicine and uh, psychotherapy. I journaled like well over 20,000 words mm -hmm. on it. Like that's mm -hmm. like a small book, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that's a lot of material to work through. I'm yeah. just like organizing my thoughts and getting my brain to change. Mm -hmm. It's not just simple as taking a fucking no. pill and you're fine. No, it's you definitely know? not that. And that would be, that'd be horrible. Yeah. It's, and, it's so not the thing itself, right? Yeah. It's, it's your relationship with it. Yeah. And don't fool yourself into thinking that it is because mm -hmm. There are some people who do think like that. Mm -hmm. There definitely is some people who do talk about psychedelics as if they are a magic pill. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. most of the people that I've heard mm -hmm. are fully aware of the, the work it takes. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And um, yeah, some things about the experience with psychedelics itself that really bring it back to the body is like, for me, I remember the first time I ever did mushrooms, mm -hmm. I was astounded. I like <laughs> how yeah. I could feel every single part of myself just like perfectly easy. Mm. It was like with just with, cause usually like we talk about these med meditative practices where it's like, okay, feel the body, <laughs> scan the body. And it's like, it takes effort to move your attention around and put it in different parts of your body. Yeah. And I could just do that like with, with perfect ease. Like yeah. I, I've, it's so interesting that we think about it, It's like, oh, you're getting high and mm. like, you're like, crazy and like i mean i was at a music festival so it was like this like really high stimulation environment that yeah, is like yeah. really intense and i just felt like sharp and i'm just like there's nothing i can't feel and i could like tend to any part of myself i felt like this like intense sense of care for my mm. being for my physical being and i was like oh like stomach how are you doing and i was like <laughs> oh you're in a knot that's just mushrooms it's okay and like oh what about this oh i should probably drink some water tend to this part of my body and yeah, i just yeah. was like okay and everything felt so like intentional and it, it really is just that that feeling of being free from the analytical mind which yeah, is yeah. like really what is the problem for so many people like when a yeah. lot of the research has been done about like the effect that psilocybin and other psychedelics have on the mind is like decreasing mm -hmm. um, activity in the default mode network mm -hmm. which is like that's where we think so much kind of like that or i don't even know what does it actually do it's just like it, people call it like that's like where you have your your con your self-concept and stuff and where you can like reflect on your on your stuff and imagine things and mm -hmm. it's kind of just like this when you're not engaged in an activity it just kind of that's when yeah, it increases yeah. in activity well yeah that's like the um 
the one review I read went deeply into the DMN and it was kind of talking about how like rumination, like, like rumination that you'd find a major depressive disorder is potentially because of like a hyperconnected DMN. Mm -hmm. And that's like what the psychedelic does is that it kind of, um, what's the word they used? I think they used disintegrate, kind of like disintegrates yeah. the connections in there. It makes it less like tightly wound, I suppose, if that's yeah. a good metaphor. It's yeah. like, and, and you're just like able to remove yourself from the rumination. Yeah. You know, it, again, like you said, the, the over analytical mind mm -hmm. is that rumination is just being so focused on these negative memories that you can't stop thinking about them as soon as they come up. Yeah, exactly. For mm -hmm. like depression and then for anxiety, just like always thinking ahead. We're always thinking of like, just being like in the state of fear and like, yeah, just like, yeah, operating from that place all the time and you're never just present. And that's like, the best feeling with psychedelics mm -hmm. is just like there is nothing like i am here like so here i yeah. didn't even know this was possible to be here and and just being so in touch with your body like ah, i just <laughs> it's such a sensual experience for me and like yeah like you said with the last with all of my acid trips all few of them it's only been like three major ones mm -hmm. but they're all super body oriented and like yeah. My my most intense experience on acid, I was just like lying there and I, I, could, I felt I could go into any organ of my body. Like I was like yeah. actually like visiting different organs. Like I was inside myself. Yeah, yeah. And it was like giving love to every part of my being and seeing it as divine. Like it was, yeah, yeah. it's so beautiful. Yeah. And that's the thing, like... I'm sure that some people, like I'm sure a lot of people have <laughs> turned this into a narcissist, narcissistic thing. But when you experience yourself as divine, mm -hmm. and again, like what other word can you use but divine, on a psychedelic or, or whatever, it's like, it's not a narcissistic thing. No. It's a very loving thing. You know, when no. I had that experience yeah. that we'll get into in a different episode, I felt myself as like God, so to speak. But it was like a completely loving thing where it's like yeah. you are also god yeah. and like we are just like the same thing you mm -hmm. know what i mean there's nothing like narcissistic about that i think it be can become narcissistic if you don't mm -hmm. have the proper code to kind of analyze that mm -hmm. but when you're in that state at least for me it was very much like just a very loving and on the trend of being egoless experience yeah you know exactly and i i, I understand that it's 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 so it's really hard to talk about because it yeah. is like experiencing yourself as a god yeah and most people see god it, it's it's what we associate with god in our normal lives is like this thing that's high above in the clouds and it's all controlling and all powerful yeah, and it's created like everything king and, in the sky yeah, yeah. And, and like i mean i was in a church this morning and there's like jesus is just like <laughs> this big painting and it's just wow and we're all like yeah. less than him or whatever you know yeah. and so when when you're experiencing yourself as God, it, people might think that that means that you're experiencing yourself as this, this one being yeah. that's like all creative and all powerful and stuff. But the truth is the feeling really is that you're experiencing God yourself as God, but you're experiencing everything as God kind of as well. Yeah, like yeah. it's not just you, everybody, you kind of have this understanding that it's, it's everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, I've only ever had that experience on psychedelics. Mm -hmm. So again, I want to keep an open mind, not say like, it's definitely the experience, mm -hmm. but when, you know, like it, 
Buddha or Jesus or Muhammad or whatever, they talk about like their enlightenment experience, especially Jesus and Muhammad, as far as I understand it, they kind of talk about like being one with God or, or like experiencing God. Like I know St. Uh, Teresa of Avila has talked about, she's like a 15th century nun who talked about um, a union with God. And they're like using the language of their time to explain this experience. You know, and like I remember Leo has made, Leo from actualize.org has made this uh, statement that I don't know if it's, I, 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 he probably got it from a book or whatever, but either way, um, he said that like when Muhammad talks about, um, what is it, 72 virgins, he was using the language of 6th century um, Arabia, I suppose, to say like, oh, this experience, like talking to like merchants who, who deal in um, like, I guess, slaves, sex mm -hmm. slaves, basically, it would be like having a harem of 72 virgins. Mm -hmm. He wasn't literally saying that you get 72 virgins when you die in paradise. He's saying, he's using that as an analogy to say, like, experiencing yourself as God, experiencing this thing is as if you had a harem of 72 virgins, <laughs> right? That's so funny. And I'm not an Islamic scholar, so I apologize if that's like a complete butchering <laughs> of like the religion. I really do apologize. But like, that's like what we're talking about here, where it's like, oh, you experience yourself as God, you experience yourself as the divine. Mm -hmm. What does that actually mean? I don't know, but it, it just it yeah, fits it the does. experience. It really just fits it, and it goes beyond words. Yeah, because you know? we, yeah, we have nothing else, and that's just the highest thing yeah. we can think of. Another thing about psychedelics is um, the visionary aspect of them, mm -hmm. which is something that I haven't experienced a lot of because I haven't, I feel like that's maybe more of a, a high dose thing or it's really common, I think, in ayahuasca experiences. It's just like having visions and and just this this idea of our our emotions and our experiences being presented to us in a symbolic way mm -hmm. that's like up for interpretation and is it's just it's just communicating on a different level through like especially when people are experiencing like a psychosomatic illness or any other kind of illness maybe it's like they on on psychedelics they can see people see their illness or see this part of themselves as like black smoke or a certain creature or it's like it takes on this this i don't know what to very say. like metaphorical yeah imagery exactly and how important that can be in, in helping people understand themselves or, or or different parts of themselves that they've maybe become out of relationship with through mm -hmm. trauma or mm -hmm. whatever and yeah I, I think that's something that we've kind of lost touch with too in the kind of like western very analytical very just like this equals that kind of way is like we've kind of lost this ability to to sit with a process and not know what mm. something means and it's not like directly obvious right away and just be like just experience something and kind of allow yourself to to take something that's not literal but but it can be like an essential part of the healing process for a lot of people yeah in deepening their relationship to and understanding themselves you know yeah well it's like you were talking about before about how like it doesn't need to be like a cognitive reinterpretation yeah. of the trauma it can be something that's very symbolic mm -hmm. in the sense of imagery or something like this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if that allows you to like make sense of your experience 
then sometimes that's all you need. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And all of these things, like it's all a process and it's, it's never done. Yeah. It's never done. I, I feel like we always end up at that point because it's just so important to acknowledge that we're never going to be done. Yeah. And that's it. That's fine. Yeah. And that, that's like, <laughs> it, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's always more to do. There's always more to like, you can always make your life and yourself a little bit better at dealing with life, the life that you want to live. And that's like an exciting prospect that it's like, oh, there's, there's more to life. There's more to enjoy. There's more to be excited by. There's more to be passionate about. Mm -hmm. There's more to cry about. There's more to be angry about. It's just like the whole experience. More to come about. More to come about. Exactly. It's just, <laughs> it's all good. It's all beautiful. Uh -huh. and like, that's an exciting prospect. Yeah. You know, it's like the need to be perfect or the desire to be perfect is limiting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very abrupt ending. Get the fuck out. Like, yeah, that's all we have for you today, folks. Yeah. Um, experience your body, feel sensations, but don't be alarmed if you also feel like shit when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How to... It's all part of the process. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's never expected to be easy. It's not going to be easy. No. You know, and if you need help with it, get help. Yeah. You know, but you can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel the need. I feel like I'm thinking in like school paper terms. I'm like, I need a concluding paragraph right now yeah, that wraps yeah. together all of these amazing ideas, but I don't. It's just a podcast. Yeah. And yeah, it's all good. Most people wouldn't have listened this long anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still here. Thank hi. you so much. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> um, tune in next time where we're going to be talking about how real are psychedelic insights. Whoa. Mm -hmm. I'm excited crazy. to talk about it. I'm excited too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay, we're gonna go. We're getting really weird. Okay, okay. bye. bye. <laughs>